There's such an anointing here right now for your breakthrough. There's such an anointing for your breakthrough. Let me, let me tell you something now. God's had me ministering on this for a reason. I, I was talking to you last week. I was talking to you last week about moving from rejection, how, how to overcome rejection, because that's really the number one thing that humanity faces is rejection. We either feel we've rejected ourselves, been rejected by someone else, or God's rejected us, or some reason we don't have favor, some reason things are not working out for us. And, and, and we battle with that and we struggle with that. It's the root of just about everything we deal with as men and, and women. And, and what I want you to realize, I was talking to you about how to, how to move from rejection to promotion. And this week, I want to talk a few minutes to you about how to move from promotion to legacy. <clears throat> now here, let me, follow me, track with me. When I talk about promotion, <clears throat> that's a moving target. And what's promotion to one person is not promotion to another. It could be a demotion. So promotion is a moving target and it's a good thing. But promotion sometimes is coming through the most difficult, tragic things in your life. And through that promotion, it's really a greater promotion than when things are going good and they're just stair-stepping and you think, wow, that's awesome where I'm at 20 years later. But what the key is, is that we can have a legacy of favor with God and man. When we can have a legacy of favor with God and man, when we can have a legacy that when we get to heaven, we have the same testimony David had in Acts 13, 22, when, David said, I found, when God said, I found myself a king, Jesse's boy. Jesse's boy is going to be my king. He's a man after my own O-W-E, O-W-N, I'm sorry, O-W-N heart. He's a man after whose heart? God said, a man after my own heart. And Sam, he'll do whatever I want him to do. Now, we know David did a lot of things God didn't want him to do. I mean, he was a murderer, an adulterer. That's things he did. That really wasn't who he was, but that's things like none of us are really all this stuff. We, we, we get into this stuff, and then we got to repent. But here's the beautiful thing about David. David had a skill set that no one else really had then. Because think about this, and this is the whole premise of what I'm wanting to get in your heart. When you look at David, what is a skill set that even in the most tragic, troubling times or the best times, he had a way to connect with God like no other person? And, and, and when you look at David's life, he was a man after God's own heart. And whenever David... When we look at him, when he was called to be the king of Israel, he was called as a shepherd boy. I shared with you last week. He was called as a shepherd boy, and he was anointed by God. But he didn't just go straight to the position of being a king. He had to, be, to go through the process of promotion. But look at this. Saul, when the people cried out early on, they wanted a king, and God said, you're not ready for a king. You don't want a king. A king will take your daughters and make them his, his concubines, and he'll take your properties and lands and make it his, and, and you'll be out here with nothing. You, we won't be like the other nations. We want a king. So they demanded a king. So God found the best prepared man in their kingdom to give him, which was Saul. And it wasn't that Saul was bad. It wasn't that Saul was evil. 
Actually, when Saul started out, he was honest and sincere. And the Bible says he could stand in the town hall and prophesy with the prophets. And, and, and he had an anointing on him. He had an amazing gift. He was, had a stature, a head taller than all the other men. But he had wisdom and he was handsome and, and he was well revered by others and, and all of these things. But he was not God's first choice because God had not prepared his first choice. He was in preparation. See, when you miss preparation, you don't have the opportunity to be obedient. So you have to have the preparation to, become, to even have an opportunity to be obedient, to step into God's best for your life. And, and we see that whenever Saul was chosen to be king, he immediately became the king. And I mean, he was good for a season. I mean, he won wars and he did things and, and uh, you know, he was doing all this good stuff. But David, on the other hand, when he was anointed, he went right back out to take care of the sheep. Then we know the story of David. You know, he had to come out. He ended up killing Goliath. He ended up coming and serving King Saul and he's serving King Saul and he goes out and King Saul goes out and Saul goes out and kills his thousands. And when David comes in, all the women and all the people in the city started dancing, said Saul, King Saul kills his thousands, but David kills his tens of thousands. And when that envy and jealousy started and Saul recognized something the other people didn't recognize. Saul knew the anointing because he tasted it. But whenever he did not obey what God said, when he went to take out a certain king and all of his, and God said, told Samuel to tell him, go when he takes them out. I don't want to hear any sheep. I want the sheep killed. I want all the people. I want it wiped out because those that are still living could rise up and destroy you. I want it all a clean. I don't want anyone living, king, anybody. So, when Saul went, he did everything God said, won the battle, except he liked keeping the king and the popularity of some king that was under him now, and he liked keeping the best sheep. He just killed and slaughtered the, the sheep that had flaw and stuff and the cattle that had flaws. And when Samuel came, he looked at Saul, and Saul says, look, Samuel, sir, look, what a great victory. Samuel says, is that the bleeding of sheep I hear in my ears? Uh, 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 well, well, uh, uh, uh. Weren't you supposed to kill everyone and everything? Well, you know, the people, the people wanted me to keep the good cattle and the good sheep. And, 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 and you know, I thought it'd be good for morale to keep this king and everybody to see that he's under us now. And Samuel said, bring the king to me. And when he came to him, the priest, not the king, the priest took his sword out and cut the king's head off. Wiped the sword off and put it back. And Saul's looking at him, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I'll do what, I, I. he said, no, 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 no. He said, uh, no, you're supposed to do it all, you didn't. And he said, let me tell you something, King Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. And rebellion is thus a sin of witchcraft. And from that point, the anointing came and went on Saul's life and he was miserable. But David, even while he's a shepherd boy, had the anointing and learned how to take care of it. He was a man that sought God's heart, right? The very heart of the father. David was so important to God that he brought his entire lineage 
even his son through David. Even though, even with David's mistakes, we look at David like, man, he's some superhero until we read about his sins, right? Greg, we read about his sins, we go, I don't know about him. I wonder if he made it to heaven, but you realize he did because he, you know, God honored him and he repented and he paid his price. And what happened? God brought Jesus' bloodline through on that one side of the lineage, one from God and one from that side. That was the lineage of God, the, the way the king, not the bloodline, but the kingship came through that. He was of the King David's lineage. God made David, King David, a memorial, a great king in everyone's eyes forever. And look at this now. Saul had tasted that anointing. And David became so important to God because of this lineage and because of his obedience. But what I want you to realize is David had a skill set. David knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord. And see, that is the one key that will sustain you through good times and bad times is learning how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Coming together in a corporate gathering is one way. You leave here, you should feel strengthened. Pray and get along with God, strengthen. Getting in the Word, reading the Word, strengthen. Hearing stories and testimonies like, like, uh, like you had, what's it do? It, it strengthens you. It strengthens you. And what is it? Now you start drawing all that and you have confidence and faith to strengthen yourself in the Lord in the good times and in the bad times. And David had learned that gift. David had learned that too. But think about this now. David learned how to worship God while the rest of the leaders, the kings, the prophets, and all that, and priests were, well, not the prophets, but the priests and stuff, what were they doing? They were honoring God with the sacrifice of their lambs, of their sheep, and so on. They were doing physical sacrifice. That's okay. That's what was going on in their time. But just like the lady that I talked about, Mary, that had the prophetic insight from God that she was giving this for Jesus' burial because he was getting ready to die on the cross. David had insight about the intimacy with God and he superseded laws and regulation and went into intimacy and got the heart of the Father. And it gave him wisdom and understanding that no one else in the land had. But here's the key. Here's what I want you to get here. David, his life was amazing, but look at this. He tapped in to the blood of Jesus. He tapped into sonship hundreds of years before Jesus was born into this earth. Hundreds of years before Calvary and before the cross. And he became the most important one other than Jesus concerning the cross. And guess what? He tapped into that without the blood of the lamb on his life. Without being filled with the Holy Spirit. He tapped in to the anointing of nearly a thousand years ahead of his time because he knew how to seek the heart of the Father and he knew how to take that and strengthen himself in good times and in bad times. And we see that with Jesus, now, I mean, with David. So if David could do that without the Holy Spirit living in him, just coming on him occasionally, without him living in him, and without having the blood of the lamb covering him, like every born-again believer is blood-bought. Every born-again believer, if you're a true son or daughter of God, you are covered by the blood of the lamb. And we live by the word of his testimony. That's what redeems us is his blood. It's our atoning blood. He was our sacrifice. Get this. David's life is really a call to every believer. 
We shouldn't operate any less than David did in the anointing. We shouldn't have less. We shouldn't do less. We shouldn't conquer less according to our life because David's life is really a call to every believer. If one man that was a sinner like David lived hundreds of years before Jesus accomplished all he did, what are you and I doing with the name above every name living inside us? With the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords living inside of us. We have David's wisdom in front of us, Solomon's wisdom. We have John and Peter and Paul's wisdom. We have it all. We have the writings in red of Jesus and his wisdom. And I must ask you, What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Is it something you put a standard and judge yourself and beat yourself up because you don't measure up? Or is it something you see yourself and you're transparent with God even when you're in a bad place or in sin that instead of running from God, you run to the heart of the Father so that you can give it to Him and He can heal you and make you stronger than ever. You see, maturity... It's not what you know or who you know. Maturity is experience in what you need to know. So I want someone, like I said last week, flying me. I want my pilot to have 20 years experience, not some newbie that was a 4.0 student. I want somebody with some experience. I don't care if he's a C average student. I want some experience. You see... we got to come and realize that it's all about the purpose and the priority of learning to minister to ourselves, both in good times and in times of testing, if we want to leave a legacy that has favor with God and with man. I shared with you last week how David, man, we talked about how he came through rejection himself, how he was rejected by his family, he was rejected by, by King Saul, Then he was rejected by the Philistines, the devil himself, when he went over to help them out. Uh, He had these men that came into the cave of Adulamun that the Bible says was broke, indebted, distressed. They were miserable. They were running from the law. They brought their families in. And the Bible says they came in, and when they came out of that cave, they became mighty men for David. The Bible tells us that the only people that killed giants was David and a few of his mighty men. So if you want to be a giant killer, hang out with a giant killer. And so we understand this premise, but we would think, well, maybe they were, you know, serving David a year or two. No, somewhere between 10 to 13 years, David mentored them, trained with them, took them into battles, led them, helped them raise their family, become men of God, become warriors and become mighty men. One man was so great that he would go out and kill a thousand men by himself, a thousand. I mean, they didn't have a machine gun, dude. I mean, this is hand-to-hand combat, a thousand men by himself. And the power and the anointing and the authority was on their life at such a great pace. Why? Because they learned how to have their personal breakthrough and corporate blessing being united with David who understood how to strengthen himself in the Lord. Now, these mighty men, 10 to 13 years later, had all these beautiful wars, won all this stuff. They, they were given a city called Ziglag, and when they came back to the city one day, they found it burned to the ground. All the women, the children, everyone in the city was taken by the Amalekites. And you remember the story, maybe I told you last week about it. I won't get into too much detail today about it. But as, as they came in, and everyone was broken and weeping and crying because all their kids, their wives, and everyone were taken all their wealth, everything that they'd fought for. 
And then we find out the greatest rejection that someone may ever face like David. He's in the toughest, most difficult time. And he's weeping over his own wives and kids being gone, his own home being burned. And all of a sudden he hears his men saying how angry they were with him and we might as well stone you and kill you too. Wait, he lost his family too. The very people he loved more than life itself, the very people he gave 10 to 13 years of his life, he fought side by side. He was there helping them find their spouse, raise their kids, you know, how to handle their money, how to build wealth. He coached them. He lived, he was their father for 10 to 13 years. And now the very people he loved the most was ready to reject him over something he had no control over ready to kill him over something he had no control over. What are you going to do when the people you love the most reject you? You see, that's why so many great men and women of God make it a certain season and they fail later in life and people don't understand they had it all. No, you don't understand. They didn't have a skill set that's most important, how to strengthen yourself in the good times and the bad times in the Lord. Because maturity comes through testing and strength comes through testing. Listen, when Jesus, listen, when Jesus was baptized, remember that? In Luke 4, was it? Or Luke 3, whatever, when Jesus was baptized, uh, and the Bible says that John the Baptist baptized when he came out, the heavens opened and God said from heaven with a loud voice, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and, and showed that he was, he was already filled with the Spirit with, when he was in Mary's womb, but showed the Spirit, of, that the Spirit of the Lord was on him. He goes in, then the Bible says he was led by the Lord into the wilderness. He had this great time. He's called the ministry. Everybody sees and confirmed he's, the anointed child of God, and he, he goes, then, the, then God led him into a season of testing. And in that season of 40 days and nights of fasting and praying, Satan manifested physically, spiritually, every way you could and tried to get him to turn away from his mission. But the Bible says, listen now, when he went into the wilderness, the season of testing, he was full of the Holy Spirit. But when he came out, of the season of testing. You know, when we've been beat up and lied on and, you know, broken in our heart or broken financially or our spouse is frustrated with us or leaves us or something crazy happened, when we come out of that, you know, our nature is to be down and depressed. Jesus came out of this horrendous 40 days and nights of challenging, testing and fasting. And the Bible says he went in full of the spirit, but he came out empowered in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we got a lot of Christians, Todd, living full of the Spirit. They're not clubbing and barring and hopping and doing like they used to, not that much anymore anyway. And they're, they're not doing as much and we all have our shortfallings and we got to repent and we have our sin and thank God for grace and thank God for that. God loves me just the way I am, not the way I should be. And, and I, if I repent and I get it right with God, I can get it taken care of. And, and that's all cool, but, but here's the key. Here's the key. So, are you going to come out of that testing stronger than when you went in? You see, it's one thing to be full of the Holy Spirit, but it's a greater thing. What have you done with the Holy Spirit? Here's the number one key to all leadership, spiritual, corporate America, education. It doesn't matter. I don't care if somebody doesn't believe this. You don't want them being your leader anyway. The number one key, because without this, it don't matter what you know. The number one step and key to any leader 
is initiative. They got to have initiative. They got to take a step. And the greater the initiative, the greater the leader they'll be. Because here's the thing. How are you going to know you're going to fail if you haven't failed yet? And if you do, you didn't really fail. You didn't get the goal you wanted. Now you just learned one way you, don't, you can't do it. Colonel Sanders, over a thousand places, he tried to get to take his recipe and give him a percentage of the profit. But after I think 1,011 or something like that, that one accepted. How many of us would have quit before we got said no to and laughed at a thousand times? But see, when you take initiative and you take it quickly, you can be the kind of leader like David and like God wants you to be. David went into this season of testing and he came out stronger. And that's what I want you, he came out in more power. I want you to look at whatever you've been through, through is important. I want you to look at whatever you're facing, doesn't matter. Because if it's a giant you're facing, you're a family of giant killers. So this must be your opportunity to kill your first giant or your second giant or your third giant. Because the spirit of God that's in you is greater than what's in front of you or what's happening to you or what's happening around you. And when you tap into that and you learn from the past test and the past sin and the past sickness and weakness and you give it to God and you you get the strength of the Lord that he's never going to leave you or forsake you and he loves you anyway just the way you are and all of a sudden you can take that power of that spirit that's in you and you can target it toward your giant. What are you doing with that spirit? What are you doing with that power? As we come into Easter, we need to make that decision. What are we doing with this power? I mean, think of it. How much more should we do covered in the blood of Jesus than David? In the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, it reads this. It says, you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, speaking of Jesus, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and nation have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. He's made you and I. If you're a child of God, he's made you a king. He's made you a priest. That's your position. You have a, a kingly and a priestly position, an anointing in God. See, that's your anointing to do whatever is needed at the time you need to do it. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says we are seated in Christ in heavenly places. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Right now, if you are a child of God, your position is not just on earth, but it's with Christ in heaven. That's why Jesus said when you pray, pray like this, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven because he positioned you, anointed you, equipped you to bring heaven to whatever circumstance, situation, or giant you were facing. He gave you the positional authority, the topos, and the opportunity to speak to your territory and to command it to come under the authority of God. And if you didn't see it the first time, you learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord and you come back at it again and you come back at it again. It's not about which time you get it. It's about accomplishing the mission. See, we Americans, we want to keep score all the time. I mean, I'm competitive too. But the bottom line is sooner or later, you got to realize the outcome is more important than the effort. 
How hard will you fight? Well, I prayed for God to heal my leg. How many times? 90 times. Pray another time. Pray 91. Pray 92. What if the odds are one out of 100, you have enough faith to get your leg healed and you quit at 99? Well, Jesus, you said we should forgive people that misuse us and lie on us. The law says, forgive them seven times. What do you say? This is his disciples. I say, forgive them seven times 70. Now, if you multiply that out, that's just about infinity. It's millions of times. Think about this. In other words, if you haven't got what you know God said you're supposed to get, don't quit. The only one stopping you is you. We are our greatest enemy. We learn we don't fail. We don't fall backward, we fall forward. We take initiative and we stir up the gifts of God in us and we take initiative. Stir up the gifts of God, take initiative. There's plans and dreams I have for this church and people's laughed at me because, you know, in the beginning it went real quick and then we went through a law. And, but see, I don't measure myself by how many's here or not here. I measure myself by the Spirit of the Lord in me and what He's equipped me to do. And if I keep coming against whatever I got to come against and I keep pouring into it, God doesn't move quickly, He moves suddenly. So if it takes one time or 10,000 times, I'm not quitting on 999. If I got enough breath, I'm coming back another Sunday. I'm coming back another Thursday. I'm coming back another month. I'm just going to keep, I'm just crazy enough not to quit. I'm that guy, if you ever got in a fight with, you better kill me because I'm going to get you the next time I see you, whether you whoop me or not. That's just the way I could tell you some stories. I didn't win every fight, but I tell you what, I initiated it when I had to and I didn't quit. And they knew they didn't want to be around me because when they saw me, even if it's in front of the courthouse, I whooped a guy one time in front of the jailhouse, right in front of the door. Got me kicked out of school 10 days for sucker punching me in the cafeteria and I whooped his butt in the cafeteria and I got kicked out 10 days. So I said, the next time I see you, David, you're mine. I didn't see him for about three weeks. School let out, it's summertime. We're at Giovanni's Pizza Place. It's kind of early on a Saturday night, not much going on, just getting dark. I'll wait for my buddies to get there, and I see old David pull in with a couple girls, and the pizza place was right there beside the courthouse and the jailhouse, right where they lead you in and out. He parks in front of the door, just over from it, like, <laughs> gets out. Redneck that I was, or whatever you want to call it, hillbilly, not redneck, hillbilly. I, I took my shirt off because it was my T-shirt for Saturday night, and I didn't want to rip it. It was a cool black t-shirt, didn't want to rip it, and I was skinny. Then I took my t-shirt off, and I walked over, and here he comes. I said, hey, you girls better go on over there, me and you. Oh, Dalton, come on, we're in front of the jail. I, I just kept coming. And he tried to talk me out of it. I said, you might as well fight, because you're going to fight. Needless to say, he never got out between his car door and his roof. And I didn't go to jail. And you know what? He apologized to me later because he knew the next time he saw me, it's going to happen again. <laughs> whoa, whoa. You say, you're dumb. Dumb enough not to quit. 
and dumb enough to know I was a small guy when I was in elementary school, middle school. If I didn't fight, I would fight every day. But if I fought one time a year, I didn't have to fight no more the rest of the year because I took initiative. Say, well, that, teacher, that preacher's teaching you to fight. Yeah, try to teach you how to fight the devil. If you take the flesh and turn it into the spirit, that's how you fight the devil. You keep coming at him. You keep coming back. Next time I see you, devil, you're going to look worse or I'm going to look worse, but you're going to fight. You take the fight to the devil. You don't let him bring the fight to you. Learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Not strengthen yourself in fear and worry. And poor little old pitiful me. Why is everybody picking on me? You carrying your little Charlie Brown, your little lioness blanket around. Why is everybody picking on me? You need to be like a stupid, crazy dog, Snoopy, and climb up on your doghouse and get your goggles on and start being a red band, shooting everything in sight. You need to fly like Snoopy. I said it 20 years ago in this church. You need to have Snoopy faith, not Charlie Brown faith, doubt and low and depressed and low. No, you need to get upbeat, on fire, get on your doghouse, get your sunglasses on, and go shoot at some devils. I'm depressed. Of course you are. You prophesied it. I'm broke. Of course you are. You prophesied it and you confirmed it by laziness. Well, I'm not lazy. I work every day. Then learn to handle your money. Stop making excuses. Start making the devil make excuses. Kind of like the devil that was following Paul and those guys around. They cast the devil out to this one girl and then it wasn't long these guys that were wanting to be disciples but weren't, they were religious and they come up to this person possessed with the devil and said, I command you to come out. They said, Paul we know and whoever it was, John we know or whoever, but we don't know you and they jumped out and beat the you know what out of those guys. See, you don't pick a fight with the devil till you strengthen yourself. Well, I just got faith to move a mountain. When's the last time you gave gratitude to God? When's the last time for 15 minutes out of a 24-hour period, you didn't worry, you didn't think about anything or anyone, you didn't have a wish list, you just sat there and thanked God that you're alive, that you're still breathing, and that you're still serving. And that you're not perfect, but you're still in love with the perfect God. And for 15 minutes, you just gratitude, gave him gratitude and gave him thanks. Yeah, we'll spend an hour in prayer and tell God all of our wish lists. But man, will we ever spend five minutes and just give him honor for who he is? And worship him for who he is? Can we just give him honor? Remember, faith is knowing the ability of God and trusting his heart. Trusting his nature. See, so many men and women of God never learn to trust God's nature because they're so talented. Saul was so talented. He was tall, handsome. He had it all. He could fight. He could prophesy. He was so talented that he missed the heart of the Father. Please don't be so smart that you miss the heart of the Father. 
Please don't be so gifted you miss the heart of the Father. And don't be the other side, I'm not worthy to have the heart of the Father. I'm not good enough. He takes you just like you are. Just give it to him. Learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord. He's here right now. Whatever it is you're facing, he's here right now. And he wants to break whatever you're dealing with off your life. I want you to put the one thing, the biggest thing that's holding you back from spending time with God. Think about it for about five seconds. What's the number one thing? Some of, majority of you are saying time or, you know, um, energy or busy or sin. No. There's only one thing keeping you from strengthening yourself from God. No matter what your circumstance is. Only one thing. Only one thing ever stops us from pursuing what we're supposed to pursue. And it's the D word. Decision. You're one decision away from being intimate with the Father. You're one decision away being more anointed than you've ever been. You're one decision away from being happier than you could ever be. You're one decision away from being more prosperous and blessed than you could ever imagine. One decision away. And all that decision is every time, every time that on a regular basis you build a habit to spend a long time with the Lord. Not asking Him for stuff, not one, but make a decision. You get the first part of my day. If it's the first minute and a half or 15 minutes my feet hit the floor whatever it is, you're going to get that first 15 minutes of my day every day of my life you will be amazed what that would do for you you're one decision well, I don't know how to pray good nobody else did either Jesus gave you a model hallowed be thy name that means worshiping so when you just get up just start worshiping just thank him put some worship music on whatever just Set, I just sat in my office my lazy boy and started thanking him, praising him. Just worshiping. Then just start speaking his will to be done in the earth and give him thanks for who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do. You're one decision away. We look at what holds us back. Time, sin, fear, worry, lack of knowledge. Nah, Take initiative. You are one decision away from being the most blessed and anointed person you know. 